I confuse love with attention. Uh, that's a realization that I've that I've come to. That's been a consistent kind of uh, pattern of dysfunction in my life, which has caused me a lot of pain and suffering as an adult. But then also, as you're saying, it's tied to my childhood and to the kind of dynamics and my perception of where I was receiving unconditional love and where whether you receive it or not, it, it might not be communicated in, in, in a consistent way that you need to feel secure. I realize a lot of the personal decisions I was making as a teenager and in my 20s were based on validation, were based on a kind of something that had been lacking in my childhood that I was trying to overcompensate for um, in one way or another, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, I think there's different things that can motivate us and that's okay. It doesn't always have to be something uh, noble. But um, the point is that when I got to a certain age, I realized that I was very much uh, trapped in a pattern of living for other people because I wanted to feel deep sense of validation. And I think that has a lot to do with conditioning as a kid uh, yeah. or since we're, we're children. But yeah, I've, I, I think dance, when I dance, um, whether it's intentional or not, um, that's when I often am reminded very viscerally of the kind of pure joy and wonder that children feel, not just when they're dancing, but when they're having all kinds of interactions. How did these realizations um, about the, the, the lack of when, when you were a child, uh, these realizations, how, how, were, how were they able to help you as an adult? Like, how were you able to shape yourself better? Due to these realization that when I was a child, I did not get one, two, three, or I was not attentive to one, two, three. You reached your yeah. realization, and how did that help? Did you change um, your patterns? You know, patterns are very hard to break. Um, I think the more important question and maybe answer, a more interesting answer is that I start to try, genuinely try. Uh, and that trying only came after I was aware, which quite honestly, at the age of 35, was only very recently. Um, you know, it was about the last four or five years I started to have these realizations. And yeah, there have been major shifts in my life. I don't know. It's all of a sudden like, how personal should I get? Real with, personal, with, Ahmed. <laughs> with, with, with this very um, accessible and relatable person on the other end of this virtual okay. connection. Um, I, real personal, I, you know, you want people around you who challenge you and who bring out not just the best, you know, we often say the best in you, but I think more important than the best is the truth, a more authentic version of yourself. And, you know, in life, especially in your 20s and 30s, as you're trying to establish yourself and you're trying to assert yourself and have autonomy and independence, you can get attached to various things and those identities can then actually, you know, which are often based on friends, groups of friends and the people who are around you, they can start to limit you um, and kind of dim, not just your light in the cheesy way, but kind of dim the thing about you that has maybe been neglected by you because of fear of this or that or this, you know, your family or your community or uh, you associated it with another aspect fear of, of your acceptance, identity. maybe. Yeah, yeah, like the different aspects of our identity that make us fear not just being accepted, but being, forget even being loved, but being even just appreciated and acknowledged or even acknowledged. I mean, there's different steps. And yeah, anyway, so I found myself with, a, you know, spending 
time increasingly as I got older with less and less people. And when I really went through a really rough um, time in my life about a year ago, I it was really telling the people who were there for me when I was incapable of being there for myself. Um, and more than being incapable of being there for myself, like the people who really, when I look back at how in the entirety of the friendship or even more specifically in my weak moments when I was annoying and I was like miserable to be around and I was like very self-absorbed because, you know, when you're sad, when you're in misery, like you just want pity. And especially if I'm a man, you know, when you have a sick man, it's like very different than a sick woman. Um, he said sexistly. Uh, but yeah, the, the point is, the point is, I Do you truly believe yeah, that. I believe, yeah, I I believe that. Um, what do you mean that? A sick man and a sick woman. I think that men are. Uh, I think that women have a higher threshold for pain, and I think that men, for a lot of reasons, when they're sick, <laughs> uh, as a man. Um, tend to worry about themselves more than women do, for sure. That's purely anecdotal, but very Do you think accurate. that it's because uh, they're not used to being vulnerable? I think because it inherently and traditionally, uh, men are not used to being vulnerable, are not um, allowed to be vulnerable, but more importantly, or as importantly, it's that women are traditionally are, are actually expected to be caretakers and and have that burden of taking care of children and taking care of you know the shelter and um yeah so i think they're more accustomed to taking care of themselves and just getting on with it i like that tangent but back to your <laughs> earlier point what was the original sorry i took you off track it's okay it's okay this whole combo is gonna get off track the rails uh, people who are louder aren't always stronger um, and sometimes people who are quiet whether they're inhaling or exhaling or whatever they're speaking softly sometimes they have a deeper sense of you know conviction and self-worth i am someone who definitely has struggled with self-worth uh, over a very long period of time but on the flip side i'm also someone who who you know was was felt it was important to be proud about certain aspects of my identity and who I am and my personality as well. So, you know, we're all a little bit of this and a little bit of those, like, you know, if we could heal our inner children, I mean, that's why there's always this like, you know, stereotype of a therapist who like, you can go and be like, I'm, I'm annoyed at this person at work because they're doing this and that. And you talk for like 20 minutes. They're like, tell me about your father or tell me when you were younger, you know, what was your earliest childhood memory of happiness? The reason they go there Look, I, I've struggled with therapy. You said I think therapy is really important. I'm a very analytical and overly critical thinker. And I'm not saying that like in a proud way. Like it's actually a problem in the sense that I don't trust easily, especially I do in one aspect of my life, but like intellectually, I don't. So I'll always question them. And it's, it's not always constructive conversation with me, although it's been a few years since I've tried. Um, the reason I say this is because. What kind of healing are you looking for? healing that is um that that gives me things i want and need to be happy like humility and clarity and self-compassion oh i have hundreds of voices in my head sometimes they come out of my mouth sometimes they don't all but they're always in my head 
And if I had to say, the majority of them, for some reason, are very negative. They're like that negative Nancy in all of our lives that we have, but different, you know, kind of variations. And they tend to repeat themselves often and they judge you and they compare you to this person. They compare you to versions of yourself. Oh, these genes don't fit. Oh, when I was a kid, I used to do all these things that I don't do. So I think on the flip side, there's another voice that is not often talking. It's not very loud. Um, maybe it's caught up kind of just inhaling and exhaling and being chill in your head or in your heart. And that voice is like often quiet, but, but it's, if, if, if you can quiet the others, which I struggled with for more than a decade and still struggle with, but once you start to intentionally want to discover the more essential voice, once you have the courage and once you have the kind of uh, the context of your life unfolds in such a way that you often from suffering or you know some sort of sudden realization, as you said earlier, once you get to that point um, and you start to listen to the quiet voice, you find, at least for me, I found that not only is the quiet voice calm and composed, but they're really like convincing. They're very co coherent because it's a very simple voice. But no, yeah, so therapy hasn't worked for me super traditionally, but the spiritual stuff I think worked for me because one of my, one of my struggles as a child in terms of my sense of belonging was that I often grew up in communities that were religious, um, whereas I wasn't. And I wasn't necessarily expected to be by my parents as much as other parents were. Um, you know, it was more of a cultural identity for me. And so I lacked sort of faith as a young person. Um, and so for me, it wasn't surprising that like my path towards healing myself and parts of my inner, my, my, the trauma of childhood, if you will, um, which we all experience through relative measures. Uh, part of healing myself was a spiritual path because it helped also to kind of nurture the side of me that was um, feeling like faithfully lacking, or like, you know, struggling with my faith, faith in life, faith in trusting, you know, things, myself, people. Do you, do you, would you say, would you say you have trust issues? Yes. I also have daddy issues. I have mommy issues. I have sister <laughs> issues. I have uh, peer issues. I have issues in how I relate to everything. So, yeah. I mean, this is what louder is for. We, we're here yeah. to say yes. You know, we do have these issues and we're on a journey to fixing, not fixing, I mean, bettering ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Not broken. We're just meeting ourselves. There's a lot of times people say, oh, I've uh, been broken, but yeah, I'm not broken now, but yeah, I've been broken recently. I'm sorry for that. It's okay. It's good. It if, you don't break, if you don't break, um, yeah, it was prompted by a heartbreak, but I, I broke my heart like more for myself than for someone else, which was the real heartbreak. I think when you betray yourself, even if that recognition comes through the process of betraying someone you're in love with, which is what happened to me. Uh, yeah, I betrayed myself. And then when you have to deal with the consequences of that, it can be too much to bear when you care so much about yourself and the other person. Um, Wait, but yeah. have you, you, you betrayed the one you love or the, the one you love betrayed you? And that made you feel? I betrayed myself and my partner after okay. having 
been betrayed um, myself. You know, I have this rap song, which I can't believe I'm referring to because it's not a rap song <laughs> and it's, and um, I'm not a rapper, but you know, part of the journey and the I've process. I've seen you play of, piano and sing. Yeah, the piano's right there. My dad had on, he's like plotting ways to like get rid of it. Um, <laughs> Tell us about the yeah. rap song. Well, I, I was just thinking there's this line that's like, um, they say hurt people hurt people. I say hurt people's love's lethal. Uh, and when you skirt fetal, you or and when you skirt evil, you go back to fetal. Feel your soul cry like your adrenal glands on diesel. And that line is actually about uh, that incident I was referring to, where and then there's lines around it where it's like my lover, you know, it just describes an incident um, that was very traumatic, which was what I was referring to when I realized like I need to heal my inner child, or he might <laughs> die. I don't want him to die. I don't want him to die. Yeah, we don't want the inner child to die. No. Oh my God! If and he you dies, know what's it's possible. Point? I think that what I was telling you earlier about the conversation I was having with my friend here about why do we love being around kids so much? Like why when we're allowed, around, why am I, when I'm, I'm around kids, I lose sense of time myself. It happens to me in the field. I'll be in Mongolia, I'll be in Puerto Rico, there'll be a hurricane, there'll be a this, there'll be a that as a reporter in the field. And then you naturally come across kids and then, you know, kids like poke at you, they share things, they always want to interact. In Mongolia, we went to some hut, they're like offering me milk, point, pulling on me, trying to throw their soccer ball at me. And my poor producer, like my producer, our team, the team, the whole team was like getting distracted by the kids, but I was the one who needed to conduct the interview. And the point is, there's like 40 minutes of footage of me playing in the, in the middle of this huge <laughs> pasture with children. And like, I end up like almost like running one of the kids over. And like, it's a you know, reminder like, of, 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 of stillness of life and happiness of I, life and simplicity. I, I lost myself in that moment. I lost myself in the Syrian and Lebanese refugee camps and the border there. Oh my God, this is the perfect answer. You're really good at this. This is the perfect answer to your original question. It just took this long because I'm really bad. I told you we will get there. <laughs> and yeah, it might take right. so, Oh, I'm getting emotional. Um, I'm really getting emotional because I'm having a realization, not so sudden, but in the Philippines, when I did a story about children who are being abused by their parents in Puerto Rico in the hurricane and all the stories I've done, there is kind of a common thread where, and why, where when I'm around children, I lose myself in that sense of wonder and that you know, the quickness with which children are willing to forgive and uh, the kind of resilient nature of children. Like when that kid fell down, like in Mongolia, honestly, there's footage of this somewhere, but like I ran, ran, ran. And like literally the kid ran into me beelined and hit the floor. Like, and I was like, and he bopped, bounced up. And my instinct was that I had met the kid 20 minutes earlier. I just picked the kid up, put him on my shoulder. Like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And that connection that I had in that moment with that kid reassuring him he was going to be okay, but also reassuring myself, like, oh my God, is insurance <laughs> going to pay for this? Like, you know. Um, yeah. I, and those moments around children when I'm in the field, they're so um, priceless. And so in, they really inform the way in which all those stories would would turn out if I, it was completely up to me, but, you know, making them for big media companies. And also part of what prompted my recognition that I need to heal my inner child. Like, why is it when I'm around children, do I drop everything, literally drop my job and play with the kids? Like, I need to do some healing myself of my inner child. So, 
Yeah, well done. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Not with myself, with your ability to unearth that because and, I didn't know that was true. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's unearthing here on Exhale. Um, Me too. My purpose is consistently shifting. So it's not static, but I know that at its core, it's about, I've realized recently that it's about shifting my own perceptions and my own preconceived notions and my own kind of, yeah, my own perceptions about my reality and about reality and other people's realities um, in order to better be able to then shift other people's perceptions and particularly away from like um, frameworks and mindsets like us versus them or that rely on othering or that rely on like highlighting divisions or what makes us different rather than what 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 we all share in common. And it sounds like uber noble, but it's really just a product of, I don't know, I mean, I am named after a prophet, but I'm not trying to have some sort of prophetic mission. Like, <laughs> I Nothing's that. wrong with uber, nor, uber noble. No. Amen, that's what I'm learning. It's okay to be cheesy and noble and have morals. Be cheesy, uh, be extra noble, extra kind, extra whatever no, it is. Yeah, yeah, respect to you for saying that because yeah, there's like a weird stigma around that, at least for certain people and circles. There's stigma around crying, around being kind, about yeah. vulnerability, about mental health. There's yeah. basically stigma around everything that's good for you. I'll say something that I didn't plan or expect to say, but just popped in my head around stigma. Um, I think a lot of men struggle with intimacy. And it's not just men who struggle with physical intimacy with other women. It's men who struggle with intimacy in general. Um, there are a lot of men who don't struggle, but I know in my experience, there are many more who do. And I think it's back to what you were saying. And I, I think it's important to mention this because like as a child, I struggled with, I didn't struggle with, like it felt natural to hug my friend when he fell. It felt natural, whether it was a boy or a girl, you know, it felt natural to do the, like, you know, when you see kids being cute and cheesy, we all like say, oh, because it like appeals to our instinct, right? It's, it's instinctive to care. And for whatever reason, life gets in the way, society, culture, tradition, the way we're conditioned. And then it's like, you get to a point in life where, you're like, inside, I feel like doing this, but I can't do it for this and this reason. So yeah, I think it's really important that we uh, be aware of, of like our, be connected to our intuition, uh, both yeah. emotionally. Yeah, And to live it as loud as you can. And hopefully yeah. it can ripple effect into others and understand that it's completely normal. Yeah. What is yeah. normal? Nothing is normal. But yes, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, whatever normal is to society. Really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, a lot of times I have two more questions and then I want to move to questions uh, from Sra and then we can uh, we can wrap it up. Cool. Um, but before I ask you these two questions, I realized um, every time you're answering, there's you a lot of... <laughs> no, that's amazing. There's a lot of care into, oh, what someone's going to think, oh, what this is going to think and 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 it's actually part of my question journey um yeah. what do you do or how do you deal with thinking about others what do they think of you oh my like what is what is ahmed going through etc cetera, etc cetera. and how do you deal with negative comments especially that you're a journalist at aj plus so 
Yeah. How do you deal with negative comments and how do you try to deal with that, those constant thoughts of caring about what people think of, of you? I think it all ties back to consistently working and um, trying to detach myself from my attachment to myself, uh, to all the variations of myself. Ahmed the journalist, Ahmed the first son or your only son, Ahmed the Palestinian, Ahmed, you know, the sensitive guy, Ahmed, the, you, there's so many, um, it's like when 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 you start to really question and take a take a moment to look at yourself and you know i i find that often the things that bother me about other people are things that bother me about myself i find often that so much of my self-judgment comes from how i perceive others to judge me when whether they're really judging me or not and so i guess for me the journey to to care less i mean i i think once you have conviction and a sense of self-worth it's it's like it's symbiotic to how much you have of that is how much you're gonna care what people think and the way you get that is like you know everyone just having understanding that there's different truths i think as a journalist i've been really fortunate to be exposed to so many different people and people in different p political re realities social realities um, people who are have conflicting identities and, and, and just seeing all that and, and seeing that as normal as something that's consistent in my life going from this place to that place it's really made me feel like I'm always an outsider it's really made me um, see how much I can relate to virtually anyone even if they're rich or poor or black or religious or not or this or you know completely different background completely different culture there are points that we can connect to and I think through that, like seeing someone who I other, otherwise might think is making a lot of poor decisions and hurting the world and hurting other people, but still being able to relate to them ha somehow gives me an ability to not care so much what people think. The, 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 the times that I care the most is when I fear or when I feel or I notice um, that the people who I love, I'm hurting in one way or another, or I'm causing them anxiety. Uh, and that's where I think, unfortunately, a lot of us allow that fear to paralyze us and, and not let us speak louder and not be who we really want to be. And there's so many limitations and concerns that are, are that are really practical and pragmatic and can have real life consequences. And I say this with so much privilege. You know, one of the things that I've realized in this coronavirus time is just how much privilege I have. And, you know, for a lot of my life, I focused on how I was part of different marginalized groups which is true. And it was because I was made to be aware of those things, like based on where I was living and how people treated me and how that, how I internalized the way that they treated me based on my name or my appearance or my religion or my, the way I acted, I'm too feminine, I'm too this. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I think, I don't know, that's a bit general, but that's how I do it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> what are you celebrating? Ah, I, I am celebrating the moment more than I ever have. I mean, really. And I'm learning to celebrate bad moments, which is like, how did I not know that through celebrating bad moments, 
you would be able to withstand them better. Someone should have told you that when you go through puberty. Uh, no, but like, I don't know, at some age, you should just be told. There's a lot of you, things we should have been told, to be honest. No, I, I, mean, my mom told me I was just like, she also told me a lot of things, that, you know. Anywho, the point is, um, no, I mean, it's funny. You you think back to, uh, it's cheesy, but like my mom used to say certain things like, mama, you are irresponsible. <laughs> you All these things she would say to me growing up and I'd be like, and she, you know, little things like appreciate the moment da, 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 and I never did it. And now I'm like, how many years later learning it all over again? Um, we never take it seriously because the way it's sent to us is. Yeah with that yeah, finger confusing. and like yeah control with so much, i also yeah i also struggled with i told you earlier i used to confuse love with attention maybe as problematically i also didn't know that like what is love without control and on a serious note i think that that's something that in a lot of communities that's in the arab world and traditional the world, thing in the arab world 100 percent 100% and i was aware of it but i wasn't fully aware of how it changed how i feel about love and so many of us are unable to accept love. And because it goes back to you thinking you're unworthy of it. Amen. It's like and you're unworthy I, of success. Exactly. It all comes down to a root of not being able to accept love. Or, or even when it comes, even when you your love is expressed towards you, maybe you know we have five love languages or whatever. So much of the last few years for me has been learning how to accept love from others, but also from myself. And... Yeah, I'm. Uh, so, what was the question? What are you celebrating? I'm celebrating. You're settled. You're celebrating the moment. My growing, yeah, and my growing ability to accept love. I'll tell you, being in Kuwait has also been an, like a little bit of a master class of learning to accept love all over again, and in a context that's frighteningly familiar, 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 but from also family. Super yeah, from family and from, I would say, from people who are serving as mirrors of myself, just to keep it vague and a bit yeah. mysterious. That's, <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, yeah. And finally, Ahmed, how do you wish to be remembered? Oof. Hardest question last. She <laughs> is really on it, this one. Uh, remembered. You said I could take time. All uh, the time you need. How do I want to be remembered? An inauthentic answer would be, I don't really care to be remembered. I just want to have had impact in this world. Um, and I do want to have impact in this world. But I also think we all have egos and we want to be remembered. Uh, and I think the way I want to be remembered is fondly, like tenderly, like that I made people feel things. Um, that I made people feel bad things maybe sometimes, like when I do documentaries, like what is the impact I hope to have? If people feel negative emotions, but that can somehow um, motivate them to change or shift or whatever, then I hope they remember that. Um, and in the other way, I guess about feelings, like I just want to be remembered as someone who made people question things and to feel things. Having an how do you want to be remembered? People, how do I want to be remembered? That's yeah. the journalist in you, mirroring your <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why am I asking? <laughs> the 
Yeah. How do I want no, to but, remember? Yeah, what's important to you about the way you are remembered? There's my edit. I want to be remembered um, in a way that I was able to unearth, like you said today, things inside yourself. So maybe I won't be remembered on a big scale, but maybe I will be remembered from person to person where yeah. my conversations with you actually impacted you to unearth a few things inside of you that you did not know or were looping on and finally were able to reach peace with it or clarity, if not peace. I want to rem be remembered in those ways. Um, that's on a, on a small scale and personal scale. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I actually, I should stop saying that because it's never funny when I say it. You know what's interesting? I do want to say it. You said to me about why we're doing this or why you're doing louder after exhale. You said you, that you use your anxiety. You said, I use my anxiety and my pain and I try to use it for the better. I started louder as soon as I started exhale. We can interview people who have the highest ranking in the world, the most following, and also just someone who's just starting out. And both will answer equivalent to the same deep question that will show you the unity of humanity. The questions are deep, you said. You said they were personal, so I've been warned. And you also said that I could take my time to answer them. And right w when you were saying all that, I, I stopped and thought to myself, as someone who spent like the last more than 10 years, um, you know, asking questions for a living, and doing interviews, I was like, wow, like, how did I never set up an interview like this? Because you made me feel like, I often say, and people, I could, I just felt a connection with you in that moment, because I often start, like, I'll be like interviewing the president of Pakistan or whatever, and right before I'll be like, so I tend to go a little bit deep, um, and I like to get personal, but don't worry, we have all the time in the world, when in reality, the president of Pakistan doesn't have all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah doesn't want me to go deep and definitely doesn't think he's there to answer personal questions. <laughs> but um, now maybe I should just have a different kind of show. Maybe that's, that's part of the I hope it inspires you to do that. You do inspire me. That's why I wanted to read that with people because I think it's cool when young people just do things authentically because they find their flow and then here we are. So. I'm really glad we found our flow with you, Ahmad, really. And it is an honor to have you here and thank you for being authentic and loud with your truth with us and hopefully we'll have another one soon where we can get even louder <laughs> it's been a privilege and by the way uh, <laughs> uh you in this interview made me feel like i should be louder so maybe not this week or next month but here's to getting louder thank yes, you yes here's to getting louder <laughs>